it's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. Roll with what I already have, and then if we segue to it, God bless we'll say, Listen, I, I won't let us get out of here today without doing it. I now realize why. Um, <clears throat> because it, it's just... It's stuff that needs to be brought up again. Cool. Um, for for the for the kids in the back who don't understand. By the way, the general population agrees with that. Uh, Billy Wagner needs to be a Hall of Famer. See, I, I don't I don't. Are we are we rolling now? Cool. Well, welcome to the Ground Screw Podcast. I'm Yo, Bill, I'm Bill Rom, and I'm Josh Garrison, as always. So we just recently we put up a poll: uh, Should Billy Wagner be a Hall of Famer? We came up to this on the end of our holiday edition show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, Billy Wagner absolutely should be. Now, our our voters agreed. Yeah. But I saw also that we had put up a post saying, what are the best stadiums and where should you go? Mm-hmm. And City Field lost to anybody, and that would just immediately invalidates our people's, like, objectivity and opinions. I, like, it, it, I'm sorry. I've been to a bunch of different places. I think I've been to Philly – Pittsburgh, Washington, Yankees, Mets. Uh, I've been to Camden Yards. I've been to Fenway. Uh, I've been to Atlanta. Um, I've been to Coors. Okay. Those are all really solid stadiums. Except None for- of them. Comp out to City. Okay. It's just the, like, you literally, if you're at City Field, you can walk around the entire lower ring, mm-hmm. watch the game and have an amazing time, and not have any issues. You can go out to the bridge in right center field and chill there and watch the game you go to all the way center field and right behind like the bleacher chill out seats is like the world of beer and they have like a thousand different varieties of beer um shake shack was launched and founded inside of city field Mm -hmm. like the food there's freaking incredible they've got a steakhouse that's fantastic it's beautiful outside brick like it no cap is the best one I've been to by far. We were in Coors, and Coors is cool only because I can see the Rocky Mountains. The yeah. rest of it is just like, what's a, what's like a close second for you? So Fenway's dirty at this point. Fenway's gross. To Fenway's me. more about the history than like if you actually look at it objectively. Like, is it a nice stadium? No. Oh, it's <laughs> not even close. Like, yeah, you got to go and you got to go and see it and all this other stuff because. They've got a stadium that was, you know, built by a, a an erector set by somebody in like 1800s. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> not not for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, I, I don't I don't necessarily have a. Cl- I hate Yankee Stadium for sure. That's not even close. And that's just because it's 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 a prison. Yeah, like I got just, Yankee fans saying that that city's way better. It's trash. Like if and then anybody who says that, oh no, it's Yankee Stadium, like you're immediately showing your fandom mm-hmm. and you can't be objective. Listen, Shea Stadium sucked, right? Like mm-hmm. when Shea existed, it was trash. It it was what the what the Washington football team has now with like things falling apart. Yep. that was Shea, right? Mm-hmm. Like rats running down the side. Like when you every every seats paints were coming uh, off. Yeah. Like <laughs> Shea was a dumpster. Um, and and then when you looked at it, the the history that had been Yankee Stadium, Yankee Stadium was way better because it at least had that like mystique about it and had like this this kind of feel you don't have that now with the yankees city was perfectly done mm-hmm. if anything that the former ownership did right 
was that that stadium is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that there's necessarily many comps that I've been to. Now, there's been some stadiums built recently that I don't know if it's better, right? I think the, the Rangers just redid their whole deal. Yeah. Um, and they've That's got – and, and I'm sure it's super nice. Um, I'd have to go to figure it out. We're going to go – we'll be in L.A. this year for the All-Star game. So, like, well, I'm, I'm going to find out what that's like and, and see that. But If there's yeah. an All-Star game. I know at some point you're probably going to trek up to Wisconsin. Yes. If, if there is baseball, go to the Brewers Stadium. That's my okay. personal second. Okay. Yeah, and Dennis picked that as his, as his choice, and I, I – Firmly will stand by that. I loved that stadium. Okay. Had a great time with it. The entertainment is very comparable to, like, City Field, and they have a lot going on, and obviously beer's big in Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, so I had a phenomenal time there, and I love the way it's set up, and the dome's very cool. I went when it was open. Okay. But, like, just the way it's situated, and, like, the, I actually got, like, really cheap tickets to sit, like, field level, so I was able to get, like, the best possible experience out of it, and the Mets were playing, so it was, like, couldn't be better. Yeah, great day. Yeah. Uh, we got smoked, but. It is what it is. It happens. Time out. A few moments later. Back after technical difficulties. What's up? <laughs> um, <laughs> you were talking about the, the the Brewers and where they were. And yes, Miller Park, great time. Well, now it's American Family Field, which is a tragedy that it's named that now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about family? Miller Park is a much better name. Uh, anyway, but great stadium. If you haven't been there, go visit it. Uh, yeah. Dope. Yeah. So again, um, I, I so I look at I look at our fan voting. This is also the same fan vote that said that the better player was uh, was um, dupe to dupe. Why am I blanking on his name? Mike Trout. Mike Trout over over Pujols? over Pujols. Yeah. And Pujols' career numbers in his first ten seasons well, absolutely I, dwarf. I I get that just because they like half of the kids that or or people that follow us don't weren't there for the first half of his no, career. No, I, I, listen, I agree, and I think that it's part of when we're trying to look at these things ob- objectively. Like, uh, we weren't all thinking about Billy Wagner, right? But we go and we look at the numbers when we're trying to make these comps and we're having these thoughts, and we find guys and we go, wait, hold on. Like, f- throw out what you wanted to believe. Mm-hmm. The numbers, and then you look culturally, you look at the the pressure situations. Like, he was part of the Mets when the Mets were good, and they had David Wright Reyes uh, and they had Delgado and Beltron and Paul Duca, and that team was a dope team. He was the closer. Wasn't there like a, a half a second where we also had Kyle Farnsworth? That might be. I'm pretty sure, like, very, like real quick, it was like, oh, we have Farnsworth. Maybe we, maybe it was when we had K Rod. I know he was on the team at some point, but it was definitely at the back end of his career. Um, my the the bigger thing for me with uh with that team was uh, the player was Duaner Sanchez, um, and Duaner Sanchez was killing it with the Mets. And, like, think about how tragically this all went went away for DeWaner Sanchez. Um, in the 2006 season where the Mets were really, really good, he had a 2-6 ERA uh, for that season in 55 innings pitched. Uh, his whip was low, everything else. He was the setup man. He was 5-1. Everything was going beautiful for him, mm-hmm. and then he was out late, and he got into a car accident in a taxi, and he missed the rest of the season. Dark. And yeah, the that. Mets had to make a last second. You were young. Yeah. 
the Mets had to make a last-second pivot, and they had to trade a whole bunch of guys to try to bring in somebody to replace him. And literally, I would tell you that that's the reason they lost to the Cardinals, was just not having that guy who could just bridge the gap between starters mm. and getting to our closer. Yeah. Um, saddest, saddest thing ever. Three o'clock in the morning, my man got into a car accident. That is unfortunate. Rough. But again, like, Dewaner Sanchez. People listening, watching anything of the show, they don't remember Dewaner. No. I, I, I just brought him up. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about a dude who was a vital piece on a team that was borderline championship team. That's probably the best team ever that didn't win. That's in the ballpark. Because I think that, that team won 100 games. I don't remember. Um... Let's I, see. The the Mets, Mets the, 2006 went 97 and 65. So, so 90 close. so 90 a 97 win team first in the NL East and you you 3 owed we had like the, six all-stars that year. Yep. You nasty. 3 you 3 owed the Dodgers, right? Swept the Dodgers out, then lost 4 to 3 to the Cardinals who then swept in the World Series. Mm-hmm. So like you, the the best team to never to not win one of like in the conversation is that 2006 Mets team mm-hmm. and then from Always. from there Bernie Madoff and all the things that happened and the world fell apart for the Mets <sighs> had that not happened we've talked about it on past episodes you can go back and listen to it wherever it is mm-hmm. um the Madoff situation ruined the Mets yep and, and and I don't think it was necessarily the Wilpons fault. But from that moment, Reyes had to go. David Wright gets the extension. He doesn't work out. Jason Bay gets brought in. They bring in K-Rod. They spent money. Mm-hmm. Just it never worked out for them. Yeah. Um, and 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 now we, we're here where we are. Um, which is also, we're here where there's not really much baseball news out there. No. And and the news that there is in, it, in the minusculeness <laughs> of it is not good. Not good. And like... I feel like people have been trying to find things to talk about, and then MLB is just handing them bad stuff. Yeah. Like, so this week, for some strange, <clears throat> not that strange, reason, uh, MLB Network fired Ken Rosenthal. Yep. You know, legendary reporter, one of the most popular guys in baseball. Um, from They fired him from MLB Network because he criticized Rob Manfred. And I... The entire baseball world was triggered because they know, like, Ken Rosenthal is great at his job and, like, really nice guy, has a good rapport with the players. There's tons of players that commented on it. Marcus Stroman, big name. Um, uh, Tyler Matzik, World Series champion, had a great uh, thought on it. Ken Rosenthal stands five four and a half inches tall and still towers over Rob Manfred. Fire one of the premier reporters in baseball because he critiques you. That's his job. Couldn't be more accurate. And the entire baseball world was like, okay, so now we see exactly what's going on here, what Rob Manfred's all about. And I it couldn't have come at a worse time. Now, separate from that, also more news came out from MLB that there's zero conversation going on about the CBA. Just one layer after the other of, great, MLB's doing absolutely nothing. And nothing's getting done that's any even remotely positive. Yeah, I mean, we we know from from our side that agents and and places are saying, you know, don't say anything, 
don't really do interviews. I've, I've been surprised to see a couple interviews mm-hmm. pop up this week and, and people actually, you know, talk to each other. And, you know, th- that, that's that been a, a, a touchy situation for almost everybody. Yeah. Um, that's a super bad look for Manfred and them that they're like anything. It, it, it makes this authoritarian government idea. Oh, yeah. That just like, hey, it's our way or the highway. Like, don't don't upset the apple cart like but on the flip side it also shows that rosenthal's job this entire time has been you're an mlb reporter Mm -hmm. your job is to pretty much make stuff that makes us look good you're not a journalist anymore Mm -hmm. you're you know for 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 lack you're you're an espn sportscaster like you're just here to make it fun don't don't dive super deep into it. Just mm-hmm. you know, show us what we want. Your your NBC News, your Fox News, like yeah, there's there's we're talking about things that matter, but we're giving opinions. We're not giving any facts. Right. We're we're placating to a side. They want him to play placate to a side, and I I don't think that that's what should have happened. Mm-hmm. Like a guy getting fired for it is crazy. Yeah. Um. But after we had said that, I th- I thought the MLB was doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. That's just not good. No. And, like, you see a guy, I, I think it was Passan that did the story on uh, the Astros scandal. Okay. And, and, like, and he did the whole interview with Hinch and everybody and, and brought that to light. And I don't think there was any real backlash towards him for that because it was not directly directed at the league. But I think after the fact when it was like, okay, well, why is the league doing zero suspensions? Like, sure, Cora and uh, Hinch got suspended, but, like, that was a slap on the wrist because – Everyone knew that it was also the players involved, and there was everyone wanted more repercussions. Um, but the fact that it wasn't directed directly at Manfred, I don't think it was ever a big deal, and I don't think that's why. I think that's why Passon still does stuff with MLB. Um, well, so that 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 now goes and opens up the like my, my issues with everybody inside of there. Sure, was Passon's story one hundred percent accurate then? Or, is there is or, there stuff that was left out, or was it or was it painted in a light that allowed it to be public? Hey, we know that there's a problem. We have to fall on a sword, so we're going to get our guys on the MLB uh, on the MLB team. They'll write it. We'll give them the exclusive. The other 29 owners are like, we have to do something to you, like, and we'd rather control the narrative on what this is. So let's have the quote unquote breaking story and the behind the scenes stuff be us. And let let's put this out there. And it, it, again, it might not have been passing; it, it could have been somebody else. But or maybe it was either passing or Verducci. But that that now opens up the you know what you're reading as news. Is it news or is it somebody creating? Or, or is it BuzzFeed? Are they just creating something to entertain you and everything else? And that's fine. We're here. We're here to entertain you guys. Like yep. we have relationships and things, and I, I don't want to say anything bad about somebody I like, mm-hmm. right? But I also, at the same time, like we're we're pretty. We try to be as objective as we possibly can be. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to entertain. I don't know all the workings behind the scenes. I'm giving an opinion on what I think happens. Mm-hmm. But also, nobody's muzzling me and saying, "Hey, you gotta not do that." You know, you can't do yeah. this. You can't do that. Now, has that happened in the past that we've done things? That people have then reached out and said we didn't necessarily like that you did X or Y. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has. But has that stopped us from still being able to be ourselves and say what we want? No. This is the challenge. When you work for a company, our our, our friend Chris Rose, he was the writing on the wall. Like, 
they're they're cutting things down on their side to guys who he was a guy who was considered too player focused, right? Mm-hmm. He was a guy who oh this this guy you know has great relationships with the players, isn't just gonna you know you crush them, and then sits in a, in on a, a thing and starts saying hey you know I think the league is messing up all these guys, magically doesn't get renewed and has to move on. Yep. Wow. Maybe Chris Rose was somebody inside of that place that they're like, we, we got to bounce him because he's not saying what we want him to say. Mm-hmm. Is this the same situation? Um, not a good look. Not a good look. Not a good look. It's unfortunate. Um, <clears throat> but it won't affect the negotiations. And the real deal is that I need it, I need it to affect negotiations. Yep. And, that, and that's and, and like I said, they're they're haven't made any progress. They haven't even scheduled meetings. There's there's nothing. So, not sure. I think I think we talked about it, and I I wasn't sure if they were gonna have to worry about missing games. I'm starting to get more worried about that because as much as like I want the progress to happen quickly once they actually start talking, I don't think that's gonna be the case because I think both sides are gonna be like very like firm on what they want and not really budge on it um there obviously has to be compromise at some point but i but don't know there? if it's gonna be i mean i don't know like is one side just gonna get everything they want is it just gonna be the league like i don't think it's gonna be the players because the league's really the one that i guess has more of the power in a way because they can kind of i guess they just say hey cool we're just gonna replace you guys like they did in in past years so i don't know it's yeah. all I think that anybody anybody who says, oh, the players are, you know, the players hold power in these situations because without the players, you don't have a game. And that that's so wildly untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you, you see it in, you see it in the NFL and even the NBA more often than you see it in the MLB mm-hmm. because the MLB does so much to not allow good players to be on the MLB team yeah so that you can control how long you have possession of them mm-hmm. it's it's the most slavery oriented sport that there is yeah um, we, we we get you at auction and then once we're done at auction we now own you and possess your career for you know 11 years if we want to we yep. can manipulate how long that your entire career is owned by us Uh none of the other sports have that yeah. uh what that allows also is that players in other sports are able to pop up out of nowhere and kill it yep and fred van vliet is now a all-star point guard for toronto raptors uh he was in the g league right like he wasn't that guy yep he got groomed into it and now he's a stud and you see it at the nfl level here's a guy who was on the practice squad who New York Jets, Braxton Berrios. Did anybody know who Berrios was? No, nah, nobody knew who Berrios was. Last year, popped on screen a bunch of times, did some things. This year, has popped on screen, done a bunch of... Now, now everybody's like, you got, can't let this guy go. He's, he's an amazing slot receiver. If it wasn't for practice squad and the line to playing time in the NFL the way it is, mm-hmm. where there's 53 people on a roster plus a 12-person practice squad... And guys are easily moved in and out of this. You got you got 60, 65 guys who participate in an NFL team on a yearly basis who play there. Yep. Yes, there there now is a greater opportunity to see who can do it. What that means is I can replace people. Taylor Heineke with the uh, with Washington football team. He was in finance like two years ago. Mm-hmm. 
and, and he was he had an entire like career where he was doing investments. And then, you know, oh, yo, there's a league. Do you want to be the quarterback for it? Sure, I'll come. I'll play. League folds. But a whole bunch of people saw him play, and they're like, hey, he's got some stuff. Mm-hmm. Comes to Washington. Starting quarterback gets hurt. My man comes in. He will have a job for the next five years at least as a backup. At mm-hmm. least as a backup. And a high-quality one at that. Yeah. He's a borderline low-end starter. Like, And that happens because there's a line to it going. So what does that mean? MLB has a lot of guys who are starting and playing who should be replaced, could be replaced. Easily. But the system has allowed it to not happen. So the right. downside that the, the the league has put in place is they do this because they can control guys. Yeah. But the reality is that means also that if the guys who are in the MLB Players Association decide to all lock themselves out, none of the minor league guys are part of their, like, their team. Yeah. MLB can just say, hey, we're going to play all you guys in our MLB stadiums. We won't call you MLB guys. That'll keep you from being considered a, a scab or anything else. We're just going to play our minor league games in our major league stadiums. Mm-hmm. We own the stadiums. Nobody can tell us we can't play whatever the hell we want. Yeah. We own the minor league teams. Nobody can tell us that we can't play them the way that we want. We're going to do what we want to do. Yeah. You know what fans are going to do? They're going to show up and they're going to watch games. Well, we talked about like the the fandom is more for the team than the players. Yep. It's a revolving door of players, but you still like the Mets. You still like the Buffalo Bills. It yep. doesn't matter. So, and and I th- I think the I feel like the Players Association has a is leaning more on the fact that they think the fandom is there because you can kind of get in touch with who the players are a little more. But at the same time, I, it's it's obvious that because the the league has so much power in what the players can actually do in the revolving door and. How how their careers work out? They still, as much as they don't, maybe don't want to admit it, they still have more of the power. Oh, and it's and it's, it's worse at the it the the league that always said that they had the strongest players' association was mm-hmm. baseball. Yeah. And now you spin around, and the worst league to me is baseball. The players do not have any power. Yeah, you guys get max contracts when you're 31, and you can sign for unlimited money. Mm-hmm. But how what percentage of the population is actually getting to that? Whereas you look at the, the the NFL level, right, and you have young guys who get drafted out of college, they're immediately professionals and they're getting paid money. Yep. And if they're not, they're on a practice squad. And in the practice squad, they're making six figures. With, like, a direct line to making it to the pro level. Like, they go to tri- If you're a practice squad guy, you're a triple-A guy, like, immediately. You're better. <laughs> yeah, so better, I, better than I that, say, yeah. I would say a practice squad guy is better than a triple-A guy. Yeah. Because a practice squad guy, especially with the COVID rules, things that they instituted, there's this up-down ability for us to bring a guy up based off of another guy's injury. Right. So if this guy's hurt, now we have, like, an injured reserve. So NFL has always had it that you had to go on IR and you were done for the year. Mm-hmm. Now you can return. So what do they do when they lose that player? Instead of going out and signing a free agent, they have this practice squad that's expanded that they put right. that guy on. Yep. So these guys practice all week long, do everything else that everybody else does, make close to six figures to do it, and they're training in the best facility that they have. They're not down in a crappier AAA facility waiting for the call. Yep. No, they're with all the other guys who are multimillionaires. They're in the rooms. They're learning the same stuff. They're running the other team that week's offense and stuff, but they're getting coached by the best people, and there's a line to it. But they make money, and now you see like Aaron Rodgers flexed on the Packers, and he's going to be gone next year, and he's going to get to decide what happens to his career, mm-hmm. and he's earned that cachet. Same thing is potentially happening with Russell Wilson. 
He has been able to do it. You yeah. look in the NBA because only five guys start and they spend so much time on personal branding that the NBA guys can make the decisions about what they're going to do, oh, where the they're going to do it. players like how. run the team pretty much. Right? Yeah. So, like, because the MLB players continue to say, I don't want to be in the public eye, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, you don't have as much power. Yep. And you're you're limiting yourself. And the reality is is that there's there we're the longer that this lockout goes, the more it leans towards the owners. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's that's why the owners have that power. That's why they're doing it because they have all the cards. And if the players' association and 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 the players themselves want things to change, they they have to release some thoughts of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they got to give up some things that they think are big rocks for the future you know and one of those things i think is they need to pull any any player drafted by an mlb team or signed by an mlb team to even be a minor league player should be a part of the players association that makes sense because you're 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 part of this you're part of the organization like and and you could come up who's to say that a guy who's 19 doesn't get brought all the way up to be a starter it happens. So it can happen in any time. It's so, the, at the end, effectively you just have a giant practice squad that when the when the Mets had eighty million injuries last season, they were bringing up random dudes from whatever team, and all of a sudden they're in the MLB like that. Yeah, and those guys are playing. Yeah, they're participating. Yeah, what they like? We didn't think that they were any good. Like, uh, who who were some of the guys? Like uh, uh, Reed Foley, right? Like Sean Reed Foley. Yeah, yeah. Get, came up was pitching well out of the bullpen, doing mm-hmm. some stuff. Everything else, like guy was a minor leaguer. He was yep. a practice squad player. But he immediately replaced another guy who was in the league who was doing it. Yep. And he did At a high fine. level, yeah. And he did fine, right? Uh, who's the kid I'm forgetting about who was our starter this year? Miguel. Huh? Miguel. Miguel. Tyler Miguel. Nobody knew who he was. Yep. Guess what? He came out and he was league average pitcher. Mm-hmm. Maybe even slightly above league average pitcher. Nobody knew who he was. So if you think that the every the 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 top three players to five players on every MLB team truly cannot be replaced. The other 20 guys, you are replaceable by a yep. minor leaguer who can do it. And if yep. you don't think that's true, if you think that's a lie, look at Pete Alonso coming in as a rookie and hitting 50 home runs. He was better than you the year before, too. He just didn't happen to be in the league with you. Yep. Could have replaced you at any time. Yep. And, and I guess depending on the organization, they're even more so like our top three isn't even that big a deal. Yeah. The, the prime example is the race. Like other than Wander Franco, they they said outright we will trade Tyler Glass now. Yep. No problem. Bye. He is easily a number one at any on any team. But we'll replace you. Yep. Because we know that we'll figure out a we'll, we'll draft, develop, and produce a guy just like you, just like you are one of the eighty-seven guys we've made before you. Yep. And, and you again, you can go back to previous episodes of us talking about that. Uh, so. The the this whole thing is getting gross. Yeah, and I don't have good hope for it. Like you were saying, like we thought they made some great strides this year, and I feel like every day that there's not even a little bit of progress, they're just walking it back. Walking it back, and it's. I was really hyped. They had a great last year, a top to bottom marketing, teams played well, everything, everybody looked good. And, and now, it's just like now we just have terrible. It's just mud to talk about. Meh. Yeah. Which oh, meh, you, got, you got stuff. You meh got stuff to talk about. And I I I saw something and I didn't think that it could be a real stat. I thought that this stat sounds Welcome to Stats with Bill Rom. And I I want to see Dennis's face. Cause he's got a very expressive face. He does. When I when I when I say stats. 
If a player were to steal 50 bases a season for the next 28 years, they would still have less stolen bases than Ricky Henderson. Yep. I've seen that stat before. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. It's fifty. Absurd. So who who was the leader in stolen bases last year? Can we look that up for me, Dennis? Probably. I want. I, I want to say it's like say. thirty. I want to say. I want to say like thirty-eight, maybe forty-eight, somewhere in the 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 thirties to forties. Yeah. So my point is, the guy who's stealing the most bases in the league, right, right this second, right now. It was Marte with forty-seven. So Marte, <laughs> and he's all the Mets. Let's go. So the, the Mets that won't play next year for um, sure, but it's all good. <laughs> so so. Marte stole 47 to lead the league. And if he did that for 28 years, he wouldn't pass. He would not pass Ricky Henderson. 28 years. What's the math on that? 28 times 50 is what? 28 times 50. Well, no, it's the amount of... The amount of stolen bases that he had oh, oh, okay, was, okay. was 1,400 14, and change. 1,406. Yeah. So it really is that that person would have 1,400. That's, um, t- that's also in 25 years in the league. <laughs> well, so, but here's the craziest thing about it. Otani stat. Otani led the league and caught stealing with 10. How many backs did he steal? That I don't have. I'll look it up. Well, he, led, he led pitchers in, in stolen bases in the league. <laughs> I can tell you that. He, like, he had 26. Key- so that's what? That's top ten in the league? Uh maybe. I'll look it up. Has to be, right? If if Marte only had forty seven. Oh, it was a big drop off after uh Marte and uh uh what's his face? Yes. This is great podcasting. Yes, Dennis. That a great. Boy. This, this is excellent podcast. Pull up. No, so like again, just going back to the to, to the Ricky Henderson thing. He also I, I think I, I pulled his stats up before. He had a season that he stole hundred and thirty bases. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Like, what year was that? I mean, it was it was such a different game. He Na- stole 1982. Hun- in 1982. He stole 130 bases. That's crazy. 130 bases. But here, like, here's the thing, right? He he had 143 hits. So for every every time he hit the ball, he almost stole a base. Like that's that's. Boop. I, lo- I love that so I love that brand of baseball. Like you get on base, you're automatically a threat to steal every time. So I like the threat of stealing. But like, so like that's the thing is like, Starling Marte gets on first base, he's a threat to steal, but he's not 130 bags a year threat. Yes, like that's no, a the, completely different thing. The last dude who was even remotely in that ballpark to me is again us talking about the Mets. Jose Reyes. Jose Reyes. He had what 90? 89, 89, I think, one year. Yeah, I think I'll it was I think it was the year he No, won. no, he never got there. 78. 78? Oh, Seven, 78 in 2007. Okay. Was that the year he won the batting title? That was not the year he won the batting title. The year he won the batting title, he only stole 39 bases. Okay. What year was that? 2011. Okay. So later. Yeah, so again, like this is he was a Met for a very long time. He was a Met for a very long time. Shohei Otani was eighth in baseball with 26 26 in 2006 that that epic met season that we were talking about before yeah um reyes had an 841 ops and stole 64 bags mm-hmm. he had 19 home runs and 17 triples he led the league in triples one two three four times yeah he had double digit 
uh, triple seasons, four years in a row, from 2005 through 2008. The only thing, the only thing that disrupted him was he he only played 36 games in 2009. If he didn't only play that in 2009, he would have done better. The craziest thing to me is he wasn't an All Star in 2008. But he had 204 hits, 19 triples, stole 56 bases, batted 297 with an 833 OPS, and was a Gold Glover. Was not an All Star. So this is 2008. So this is this is the things that we talk about when like when when everybody's like, oh, this player is better than this player or this player. Like, the, yeah, man. Like he he was such a threat, and like OPS doesn't help. That's got to be a stat. That's got to be a stat. I feel like if you steal a base, that should get added to your OPS. I just infinity brained myself, guys, while we were on the show. Because if you go and you say, right, that, mm-hmm. op- that that slugging percentage is a combination of value per bag, mm-hmm. right? That a single is not as valuable as a double, which isn't as valuable as a triple, which isn't as valuable as a home run. But that's only... That's only valued when you hit it, right? It's not right. Like if you add well, the additional base. Right. So saying. my point is, if I have a guy that who hits a single, but then steals, and and then I have a combination of them stealing the base, why wouldn't that go into an offensive efficiency rating? So then, of OPS, so what, like in the stat, you'd make it a double instead yeah. of a single. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would make because sense. Because if you if you did that and you applied that at scale, right? Mm. If you apply that at scale, I feel like you shift and you alter dramatically what you think about a player's offensive efficiency ratings. Now I'm willing to let a guy go steal more bases because if I'm a, if I was applying it to OPS, I can see that it's winning baseball. Gotcha. What year were you saying that Jose didn't make it? 2008. 2008. So uh, it was Hanley Ramirez was the starter. And this is like peak Hanley Ramirez. Batted 301. So only two points higher. Sure. 33 bombs, 67 RBIs, 125 runs, all-star. Uh, he was he had MVP votes. What else? 940 OPS, 35 bags. He was uh, 34 doubles. He had a sick year. I'm not going to lie. But I don't know why he didn't at least even like <clears throat> get a, get on the reserves. Wasn't even a reserve. Christian Guzman was the backup, and that's that's my point. Like again, as somebody who was a a, a around during the Hanley Ramirez time, mm-hmm. like Hanley was a third baseman playing shortstop. Yeah, again, this is like Derek Jeter, like and later yeah, on in his sure. career, was just like a power hitter. <laughs> so like Hanley to me, like that was trash because he was so much worse defensively than Reyes. And again, if we then applied the stolen base aspect to a guy. Mm-hmm. And we said that we added that into OPS, and it caught stealing. Ended up taking away from a bag. Yeah. Right. I'll take I'll take your single that you hit where you got caught stealing going a second. I'll say that you got thrown out at first anyway. So I'll take away batting average. I, we can make this exchange mm-hmm. to run that math. But I feel like if you ran that math on every year that he was stealing fifty plus bags and getting caught stealing ten times for a plus forty or more, Reyes is you, you got to look at him more like an eight eighty OPS guy because mm-hmm. that that impacted and it was why he was so good right but it's so hard to quantify the value of a stolen base i mean i think that's the easiest way to quantify it right in all reality i, I, I think it should be added in i think if we did that math and we did that you'd start seeing where you have outsized value again. especially when has when ops has become such like a, an important statistic yes. like i think you you look at starling Marte and see okay cool he led the league with 47 bags he has speed we know that yep like 
and that's it. That's that's it. It's end end of sentence. That's how how much value the the stolen base has. Because at the end of the day, like in the the majority of these people, like ha, like the beyond the upper echelon of like the top ten in the thirties to forty, everybody else is twenties or less, which means it's extremely infrequent across one hundred sixty two games. That like like uh, here's an example: Jazz Chisholm. You know he's fast, right? Like yeah. He, but he only has twenty three stolen bases. So you spread that out across one hundred sixty two games. He's not trying that often. No. Like, so, what, like, if if you actually are good at it and can can make that um, like exchange, like you're saying, and, and really like maximize on your speed, that I yeah. also think if that was, and it's also like not emphasized anymore. Like we kind of just brushed it to the side. Like, all right, cool. Well, because you, you you didn't you wanted guys who could hit, and you, yeah. you you've uh, we don't care about the about stolen bases because reality is, right, it's is being that like phased out of you, the game. You're you're now taking away the ability for the guy at bat to hit and if you take if if that person hits a single and you have speed you're going to go first to third that now puts more pressure like you know you stealing i think it's shenanigans we see how much jose reyes especially used to rattle guys when he was the leadoff hitter oh yeah that like you were sitting there like he's if he goes he's gonna get the bag Mm -hmm. so i have to do everything in my power and it disrupts the pitcher to the point that I change everything about how he wants to pitch. Um, so for, for me, I, th- I think there has to be a way to put that in. And, and I like I like the thought of making stolen bases part of an OPS system. Because I, if I go and I said that it just adds to the bag, because mm-hmm. then you've got a guy, what, what happens if he steals third? Right now it's like he hit a triple. Yep. Right? So like, what's his OPS now? And and, and how would that equate into how, how well he's – He's taking into it, and again, I, I think that the way to minus and give penalty to it is the caught stealing number takes away a hit, so it takes away batting average or it takes away a walk, right? So your on base percentage shrinks, so that will sap away OPS. Yep, and it still would give me an OPS that then has weight and has value, and it's truly showing me how positive or negatively that guy is. But I again, I a guy who steals forty bags gets mm. thrown out ten times. That that's you know, 30 extra doubles in his career, in his season. Yep. What does that do? That's a lot. You can really kind of see, I would say like the, and it's interesting that this is when it kind of starts happening. Like the drop off in, in bags is like mid nineties when power hitters were a thing. Yeah. Like you got, you got guys hundreds into down into like the seventies and then at the turn of the century, sixties, forties. And then it's like, all right, cool. 47 is the peak right now. Yeah. Whereas, 10 years ago it was 61 with Michael Bourne and then 10 years before that it was in 2001 it was Ichiro Suzuki with 56 and then like the 70s or in the mid 90s and after that it's hundreds yeah and 80s with Ricky Anderson just every year and that's (laughs) and that's my that's kind of my point right you look back at Reyes in the early 2000s -hmm. and he's stealing 60 plus bags every year yep and he's getting 78 in the one year like those numbers are super impressive, especially when you consider how much analytics changed baseball even at that point. Mm-hmm. So, like, knowing where a guy was going to go, pickoff moves, how they were trained and how they were put together. In the 70s and 80s, yeah, guys had the moves. They did stuff, but analytics were different. Where guys set up, how guys did it, how you trained catchers. How many catchers throw 95 now? 
Yeah, I think that's the thing too. Is like I would I would love to see. It. I mean, they probably don't even have it as a stat, but like, what was a catcher's pop time in 1993? For sure, it got to be like a two plus. Right. I, I, listen, I'm not going to say the, the guys were like, that much worse than an athlete, like, but I would just say it's the it's the focus and the attention. Yeah. Right. It's it's more about the focus and the attention. Like, are are NBA shooters better today than they were in the past? Probably. No. No. If you look at the numbers, you look at the analytics, they're not necessarily any better. This is more emphasized. It's more emphasized that the three point shot is worth more more value overall. Right. Right. So whereas it used to be drive to the basket and a seven foot guy would swat the ball, mm-hmm. so shooting fifty five percent was still great, but it was also very difficult to execute against that guy, and it was only worth two. And a wide open mid range shot was also two. And why wouldn't I just take the one where I'm wide open and I'm not having it? Now everybody knows, like, hey, I can just shoot. So, well, now we're getting guys practicing shooting from three. So, what you are seeing is three point shooting percentages going up, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but then you're not, you're also seeing that the percentages hasn't changed. It's the volume of shots, yeah. right? You have Ray Allen in a game in, in 1999 would take, you know, call it six, seven three-point shots and shoot 40%. Mm-hmm. So he'd go three for seven, and you'd be like, wow, Ray Allen's a great shooter, right? Great shooter. But now you have Steph Curry shooting 18 times from three, and he's making seven, right? Mm-hmm. And he's shooting roughly the same percentage that Ray was shooting. The difference is he's shooting almost three times as many of the shots, right? Yeah. Now it's the same thing. I think that the analytics has changed the emphasis on where things are. Well, I th- and like looking at uh, Marte's like stolen base stats, the obviously attempts are less, right? So his percentage. Let me see. Oh, oh sure. No, doesn't even give you the percentage. That's unhelpful, but it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's high. Like way he, to go, baseball reference. Yeah, I love baseball reference. Uh, like like his attempts aren't like even remotely close to anyone in the past, right? So right. I think that's like the main issue is people just don't try anymore. Yeah, and then it's like, all right, cool, my success rate is going to be high because I'm not trying that often. But also, the are you are you overall subtracting away from what the numbers are? Now I'm sure everybody's looking at it and they're like, oh, when you when you get popped off base after getting on it, it's more valuable. Well, what's more valuable? You guys want guys who hit doubles. Right. And home runs, right? Because power hits are worth more. Well, so every time he steals a base, make it a double. He, if he yeah. steals third, make it a triple. Guess what? You're going to let guys steal bases now more. Because we, you, we, we stopped caring about strikeouts, right? So why do we care about th- like guys, guys getting thrown out? So much. Mm-hmm. But we don't care about a guy getting struck out. Oh, well, if he gets struck out, he didn't put the ball in play, so no double plays. It didn't affect anybody else. Well, if he gets thrown out... At second base, after getting on, it didn't hurt anybody else either. Yes, you lost a, a, a person. But if he gets to second base, what's the what's the chances of him scoring from second versus scoring from first? Liar. So I, I think we lost some math in it. I mm-hmm. think somebody's just got to make exciting stolen base math again. Yeah. And then we'll have less. They just focus on the risk of, oh, we're going to lose the run altogether if you get thrown out. Yeah. That's really bottom but, line. But if you, I'm going to lose the run altogether if you get struck out. Walk instead. Yep. Right? Oh, please. Don't even get me started on the on the, the strikeouts with like uh, the ability to just like bunt or hit a ground ball to the other side of the field. Like, oh, that just triggers me. It, it's so hard. 
Because I saw the Mets do it a million times. Yes. And when it doesn't work, and we say it all the time, the the Yankees are built on math. Mm -hmm. So the Yankees' math every year gets them the 90-plus wins. But then they get to the postseason, and it's not just math. Right? Yeah. It's feel. It's people. It's understanding momentum. Like, those things have a tangible effect. I can rattle somebody. The math does not play out if I rattle them. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't rattle somebody for 162 games. I can rattle them for three. Yep. And that's all it takes in the postseason. Mm -hmm. And that's why they don't succeed is they're not built for non-math-based circumstances. And the the challenge is is that, yeah, you know what? One day soon they might win because the math might play out for them the right way. Yep. And they just, hey, we lucked into here it is. But it's proven now that that doesn't work. It's just not the thing. And I, I, the, and it's not just because people will tell me, oh, math is never wrong, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're just looking at the wrong math. Cool. Then we all just agree that whatever math is being used right now has flaws in it. How do we, how do we button it up and make it better? Yeah. Um, and I like our, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna call it the, the, the grounds crew offensive efficiency rating. Um, the, 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 the. That's a long acronym. <laughs> GCOR. Grounds crew offensive efficiency. You're skipping an E. G C O E R. G SOR. There we go. Sure. G SOR. The C is a is a is a. a I thought that S was sound. the day after Gerson works out. Good one, Dennis. Wow. You dad joke. Wow. <laughs> wow. Guys, I wish I could hide from the camera right now because of his joke he made. We apologize. Gosh darn it, Dennis. Here on the Grounds Crew podcast. Because um, I did. I like the the Mets structure, mm-hmm. but what's the what's what's the best thing that happened to the Mets? We're 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 lining ourselves up to get Juan Soto. We are, we are. We we just signed uh, his younger brother Elian. Elian Soto, who I think Vlagero Jr. said that something great about his swing. Oh, uh, like, I, I need to hear it. If you have if you have knowledge out uh, there on the wheel uh, out in the world, so all I know is. All I know is, if I can get family... Vlad Guerrero Jr. claims that Elion hits harder than Juan Soto did at his age, at, at 15. So, take what you will from that, but I'm down for him to be the to get the Soto brothers on the Mets in five years, or a little bit less, I guess. Whenever Soto's a free agent, obviously we're going to bring that man in, and then his, year, his brother a couple years later. I, I mean, I'm like super down. the 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 thing for me is like he's what 15 or 16 right now. We just signed him at. Yep. Like he's one of those dudes who's going to be that 19 year old come up, right? Like, so the Mets just just signed the outfielder of the future for themselves. Did you see his like the video of him hitting? And he looks identical to his brother. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, he has bombs. Yeah, listen, I, like the, the the that's the word. The, the, the question is, right, is the younger brother better than the older brother? And I don't know. I don't know. Um, Sometimes that definitely is the case. Like, we've seen it with uh, uh, Josh Young constantly says that his brother, his younger yes, brother Jace is a yes. freak. Listen, and it, but we, you know Jeremy Ruckert. Jeremy Ruckert starting tight end for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. 
Jeremy's older brother was a, a top goalie, was recruited by Division One schools for, for being a soccer goalie, really good athlete, never was going to be close to his younger his, his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there always has to be, like, who's going to be what size because size matters in sports to a greater degree. Sure. Um, where it doesn't matter as much is baseball, mm-hmm. right? There's little guys with big pop, right? Yep. Francisco Lindor is not a huge man, no. and he can hit 30 home runs. Yep. So he's got pop in a body that 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 isn't Juan Soto size. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hearing hearing Elian signing now, here's the other thing that we all talked about, right? Doesn't Vladdy have a little brother? Yeah, also named Vladdy. Also named Vladdy. Yeah. Um, isn't he? Is he a Met? Isn't he up for for like being signed as well? Hold on, I thought he got signed. I'm like almost positive the Mets signed him. No, we were talking about that. That's what something. They were do. Let me see. <laughs> what do you got, Dennis? Why are you laughing? No, I was looking up. Uh, so it's not, his name isn't isn't. No, nope, it might be. It's hard to find him because his name is Oso. Vlad Guerrero has three more sons coming, and they all mash the baseball. Yes. So this is the article by Detroit Sports Nation. Um, I saw a video of it. It's it's real. So Vladdy spelled with an I. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Pablo. Um, they're both 15. Yep. And Wilton is 12. Um, He's got eight children. Listen, good for good for him. Uh <laughs> So, uh, Vladdy Miguel Guerrero, yeah, uh, and Pablo Guerrero. So it it looks like um, he's 15 years old. He's six two and weighs two twenty. <laughs> wow! And he put it out of Marlin Stadium into like the second deck. Yeah. So that was what we had all heard the other day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I guess an article came out like last week of those two hitting hitting bombs, um, and and just crushing it. So though they're both up for next summer, next summer yep. signing period. Again, Mets are going to be pushing super strong. Into are we going to do what the Blue Jays side. did and just get everybody's son yes. and just go off? Yes, I'm down. Well, so like that, that, right? Isn't that like the Steph Curry Clay Thompson move, right? Like Steph Curry is the son of a former player, so is Clay. Clay, Like they had access to high end stuff, they had Mm -hmm. access to all these things. Yeah. And then the physical body matched the other things. The person who I think, like in sports, who's going to have the hardest time ever, the hardest time, is Bronny Jr. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Bronny already, everybody comes for his neck. He's over scrutinized for everything the kid Mm -hmm. does, and he is not going to be six foot eight. Yeah, he he has to be a different type of player. But I I feel like I mean this this is just outwardly, but it seems like LeBron's pushing for him to just be his own person and not like try to emulate him. And like I think to some degree he definitely has his own like brand and style. And like people like him just for being him. So I don't know, but yes, I definitely think it will be a challenge for him to be like because there's a very real possibility he comes into the league if he does make it to the league and his dad is still there. Yeah. And I guess with Griffey's dad, right? Like yeah. wasn't like he was good, 
but like Griffey came in and was like a legend. No, Griffey Griffey was very good. I'm I'm just saying like but but I'm saying like Griffey Jr. came in and was Ken Griffey right, Jr. Right. So like but that but that's my point. That's the same thing with uh Curry. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. Curry's it's dad, not like a LeBron situation. It's rare that the best player in the league their kid comes in and is the best player in the league. Right. Right? Yeah. More often, and again, there's so many different reasons why that can be. The big thing that I'm seeing with like, um, and again, let's just let's just let's just pump it for a second. Sure. Uh, Griffey Senior played 19 years in the MLB and had a 296 career batting average. Right. That, that's great. But only a 790 OPS. So he was a really good player. Same yeah. thing with Curry's dad. Curry's dad was a couple time All Star. Like he he was a really good player. Yeah. But he was there. Um, the the challenge that I see with guys is your dad. Like genetics plays such a big role, but genetics can screw you over as well. Mm-hmm. LeBron is not the best athlete, and was not the best athlete in the NBA. He was the best athlete his size. Mm in the NBA. So it was the combination of things, right? Like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Giannis is is not as skilled as like most of the guys in the league. Mm-hmm. But most of the guys in the league are not 7 feet tall with his athleticism, right? Yeah. So like he is able to use that. If is that had, who you consider the best athlete in the league right now? Right now? Yeah. Gian- Giannis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um but like even go back, even when LeBron was the best athlete combination in the league, sure. He still was not the best athlete per ounce in the league a guy like nate robinson's a better athlete right nate robinson's out here dunking and he's five foot nine and he's doing windmill dunks and he's putting it between his legs he blocked a yao ming dunk mm-hmm. yao ming is seven foot six he's two feet taller than than so robinson had to so when you look at it and you you actually see like nate robinson's talent and skills and things right far supersede lebron but he's five foot nine right he's a foot smaller yeah, he's faster. Yeah, he's quicker. His shot might be better, but at five foot nine, you have to be so much better athletically that you can make up for that stuff to be right. a superstar. Yep. Right? Bronny's six two. Now he might still grow. He might end up being six three, six four. Plenty of guys out there one summer grew four inches, like <laughs> for sure. But let's assume that he ends up being six three, six four. Sure. Right? If he's a six three, six four guy. He's not Russell Westbrook athletically, okay. right? Yep. And that that's the challenge is he's going to have to be a completely different player than his dad because his dad was able to be a player that was like, let me just physically dominate people and run past them and let me be Carl Malone's size mm-hmm. running point guard speed. You didn't see it. Bronny has point guard speed but not elite point guard speed, and then he's going to have good size, but he's not going to have shooting guard size. He's going to be a tweener body, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's going to translate. And that, that's what's hard. Yep. Is like your your style for what your body type is. So bringing this all the way back around. Back to baseball. To baseball. <laughs> and Soto. Yep. Uh, Juan Soto's not a super power hitter. He's not. Okay. He's a really good hitter who hits for power. You yeah. look at his isolated yeah. slugging percentages and things like that, and he's more middle-of-the-road power hitter. Yes, but he is such a good hitter that he can hit it wherever he's he just also going to bat 330, yeah. right? He hits a ball. He does not hit the ball as hard 
as John Carlos Stanton. Right. But if I told you who you wanted, you'd take Juan Soto. Sure. Obviously. He does not hit the ball as hard as Aaron Judge. But if I told you you had to pick one, you would pick Juan Soto. Yep. So, like, what we're hearing about his younger brother is he hits the ball harder. That does not mean that he's going to be Juan Soto in terms of right. the batting average, the patience, the on-base percentage, things like that. Absolutely. So, don't want to get crazy hopes no. up, but... It's an interesting thing that happened, Ooh. and we have talked about it, and the, the world has discussed the fact that Juan Soto would look very nicely on the Mets, as he would on any team if we're really being like, yeah, obviously. But he wants to go to But he, he wants to be a superstar. And he wants to be clearly. in New York. Yeah. Like... The, the the real 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 is he wants to the Juan Soto wants to be in New York. He has expressed some of that. I think he'd be okay with going to LA. Yeah, it's I think it's one of those. But I think he wants to go to New York. I think that's where he wants to be, especially because of the Dominican culture that lives and permeates itself mm-hmm. in New York. He would be a god. Yep. In Queens. And listen, we, we just brought in one of his Nationals buddies. We just brought in his brother. We also brought in his brother. Yeah, true. Like, as much as I think he's probably going to be a great baseball player, we all also recognize the chess move here that was made. And I'm so here for it. I love, I, again, I love the chess move. I yep. think it's it's incredible. Um the, the one thing that's scary to me, as is scary at all times, mm-hmm. is I don't think the Mets actually have signed him yet. It says they intend to sign him. Yeah. So my, my thing is, is that what does that mean? I don't know. We intended to sign Kumar Rocker also, you know. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. So, like, um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But it, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter right now because ain't nobody playing baseball. <laughs> hey, well, he is. Well, he is, sure. Sure, but not not nobody in the major leagues playing baseball right now. Nobody's signing anywhere. I still see everybody pulling for Chris Bryant to get signed by the Mets. We'll see. We'll see when everything starts up again. I have no clue. The Mets have too many players right now. We do. We do. That's all I got, man. That's all I got for today. Cool. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. And we'll see you on the next episode. It's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle <laughs>